0: You're listening to San Antonio Public Library's podcast, Tuned In. This podcast is made possible through the generosity of the San Antonio Public Library Foundation. The sound engineer is Dan Garcia. Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at guides.mysapl.org. SAPL Tuned In. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Edward the Library Tune In Podcast Team. Today we have Dan. Hello. Raquel. Hello. And we have two special guests from the YWCA. We have Coda. Hi, everyone. And a familiar guest, we have Kim on the line with us. Hey. So today we want to talk about wage equity. Coda is can you give us a little bit of background about yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Coda Rayo Garza. I'm the director of racial justice and gender equity at the YWCA here in the beautiful San Antonio, Texas. And um, you know, leading one of one of our many campaigns and programs um, is this wage equity awareness campaign. Happy to be here.
1: Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And we're glad to partnership with YWCA because you have so many topics you'll cover that are really deal with our community. So it's always a blessing and we're always welcome you to come talk to us about these things. So how is the wage equity situation in San Antonio?
2: Well, you know, first of all, just for I, I know many of us are familiar with what the wage gap is uh, or what it refers to. Um, but what it refers to for those of us who or for s- some folks who may not be super familiar with is the disparity in pay between between men and women. Then you can disaggregate that even further and look at the disparity in pay between white non-Hispanic men and women of color. So here's what that means for San Antonio. Um, the pay gap, when you break it down by race and ethnicity for women, for every $1 that a white non-Hispanic man earns, um, white women, non-Hispanic women are, are earning $0.94, cents. Um, Asian women, $0.77, cents. Black women are earning $0.72, cents. Latinas are earning $0.61, cents. and American Indian and Alaskan Native women are earning $0.51. Cents. Now, that is the numbers specifically to some. Antonio. Um, the national numbers mirror that trend, um, but at the national level, Latinas are earning even less at 46 cents for every $1 that a white non-Hispanic man earns. Um, and for Black women, that's 58 cents at the national level.
0: Yeah, I, I have to admit that I looked at the numbers for the at the links that you provided, and I had an opportunity to just kind of take a look at the data. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was appalled, you know, and, and I was appalled for a- very specific reason for on my part, and that's because I have two daughters um, who are both teens who are entering this arena, and you know, looking at this and seeing what they're heading into is just—I mean, it—it—it—it it, 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 it makes me really sad to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I—I I, uh, the the immediate thing, the first thing that popped into my head was, well, what can I do about this? You know, so what what can we do about the wage gap? What what strategies? Uh, what kind of awareness? What you know, what role can we play in making this uh, in doing something about this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the very first thing is just to talk about it, to educate the community. Um, and, you know, there definitely will be folks who for perhaps it's that they don't have the right information, or maybe they've heard differently or different narratives about the pay gap, but it is very real and we have statistical data that supports that um, and It has been stable. The wage gap has been stable for the last 15 years or so, even despite over having a federal law that discriminates um, pay uh, inequity um, or or, or that outlaws pay uh, discrimination. We still see a disparity in what men are earning versus women are earning, um, which impacts women of color. in a, in a deeper way. But so the first step talking about it, sharing the data, sharing the information. The second uh, step is, you know, empowerment and equipping, um, in particular women and women of color and young girls, uh, because we can start having conversation. Um, and it's some, some of the work that we're, that we're doing now is starting early, having conversations with conversations with young ladies about, um, you know, the value of their work and, about their right to ask for what they're worth and to ask for for higher pay. Um, The pandemic has done a really good job at opening pathways for women um, to to sort of who have exited the workforce and are thinking of going back that are doing just that, that are asking for a pay that uh, will offer them not just a flexible workplace, but that will offer them what they need to support and sustain their families. Um, and so I think, you know, those two things are super steps, the awareness, and then the action piece of, you know, uh, salary negotiation workshops, which are, we have and offer to the community for free, um, tools, equipping tool, uh, individuals with the tools they need to know exactly what questions to ask when they're going in there. Um, and how do folks know that they're being underpaid? Um, all of those, those are, those are tools right? Those are skills that we aren't taught those things uh, early on, right? So um, for some of us that, you know, came into this later in the game uh, and, and having these tools helps us perpetuate um, equitable equitable pay. So we have to change uh, to get to, to an equitable workplace. We have to individually do our part as well to change what the expectations are, um, how the relationships, Relationship should shift between an employer and an employee so that an employee is empowered and is paid, you know, is justifiably paid for the work that they're doing.
3: I would even so. like to encourage young ones that are joining the workforce, right? Even if it's a part-time job to ask their other coworkers what they're making um, just because employers don't necessarily like you to talk about your wage, but that's because it's in their benefit and it's not illegal. And so we really encourage, you know, to ask like, oh, I'm making 11, um, an hour. What are you making? Just so you know, because if all your other coworkers are making 15, that's a big thing that you can go ask your manager. Of like, you know, I see that people are making 15. I'm making 11. I just want to ask about that. Is it about education? Is it about experience? If it's not, then it's like I deserve to be paid 15 like everyone else is. And so having that conversation, and not feeling scared to ask your coworkers.
4: So when I was um, just listening in on the wage gap for me, it's a, I have the opposite of Dan's situation, he has two girls. I have two uh, young men that uh, my children are boys. And I have to help them understand that there is this, obviously the gap is, that's astronomical to me and me being a single parent of, you know, two boys, I have to even, I have to drill that into my children's heads that they should stand up for the females in their lives. Um, One of them currently has a girlfriend and um, she is an, I happens to be an artist and she did a, a commission piece and they were trying to really lowball her. And he was like, no, you have to fight, which gave me a lot of joy to see that he was like, no, you put in this many hours, you put in your own, like you need to get what you're worth, which I just, it made me very happy. And it's because they see that I am not making as much as you know, my male counterparts In my my position, it is a little bit different because it's the only one in the the library system right now. So it's it's a little bit different to kind of gauge. But something that is at the same level, it it is—you know—it is there's there's a gap. There's no really no good way to put it. There's a gap, and and it's quite obvious. Um, But it makes me very proud to see that my children are learning from watching me and saying, "Hey." do I make it happen? I, as you know, a mother, I make things, I make miracles happen for my children. Like they don't, they need for nothing, but it's not always easy. So yeah, just something I wanted to share that, you know, like it is kind of the opposite situation that Dan has going. I can only imagine what it's like for Dan, knowing that his daughters are coming into this workforce. It's like, wow, my girls are going to, they're going to have to really fight and push to get what they deserve. And it's, it's not fair.
1: So I have a question for Coda and Kim. Are there any other underlying factors besides education, maybe social, economic, location, demographics that are pushing this gap? What other factors are contributing to this?
2: Yeah, so very quickly, I just want to um, you know acknowledge that as a parent also, I, I fully understand. I have a boy and a girl, and congratulations on raising an ally. I think it is super important, and we are given this opportunity to help, you know, set at the standard for human behavior and i it's a hard job um and you know whenever i go to an equal pay event i talk to my kids about it and sometimes i get i get home from one and my daughter is like good job mommy and my son acknowledges it too but uh just wanted to to, to you know thank you and acknowledge you both as as parents who are you know also navigating these this social challenge and edward that's a really good question um you know all of the predictions that that we know, right? These social, uh, uh, economic factors that impact this particular topic um, are, are what you what we talked about, right? Um, and, and that includes the demographic factors, race, um, gender, identity, um, and uh, but there's also other things that impact the pay gap that we don't often talk about because when we think about the pay gap, we think traditionally of what I just sh- what I just shared with you, right? Which is in numbers and median earnings um, that are standardized across uh, the the male and the female earnings that have been working 12 months consistently full-time. But there's another aspect of it, which is occupational segregation. Um, And this links back to the history of how we ended up engendering certain occupations and industries. And we relegated them as a society to to not be valued as they should be, uh, or to be valued less for the job that they're doing. The value of caring for young children, right? Child care teachers is a really good example. And if you sort of look at the history of that, um, of that industry, you, you see the link that it has with the legacy of racism and sexism. Um, and so when you think of these gendered occupations, uh, that again uh, is another thing that impacts um, our ability to move past equal pay. That's going to require a societal shift in, in perception and understanding the work that we value. And why do we consider certain jobs Jobs to be valued less when perhaps statistically and and supported by research it is the case that those folks in those jobs are actually working more hours than some of the folks at the higher uh at the higher level of the of the organizational ladder um so often i like to show folks uh what that looks like occupational segregation for san antonio and i've looked at 13 different industries and 12 of those 13 again show again Right. Um, And you even even in gendered occupations, right, like where you think education, which is traditionally women doing this work, even there where there is less men working uh, in those in those fields, in those jobs, there's still a gap um, when you compare as, you know, uh, quantitatively similar as you can. Um, So it's, you know, it's 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 a big it's a big shift in, you know, in, in society society, perception, in narrative, in understanding, and fundamentally the value of work.
1: I think we're actually in a in a field that is predominantly female. So that's really an awkward situation that you just spoke, spoke of because Dan and I, there aren't too many male librarians out there. I'm not a librarian, but Dan, he just got his library science degree. So congratulations to him. But there are not too many male librarians out there. It's, it's an occupation dominated by women. So if there's still a disparity in ages, because even though the female has is dominating here, do the males still make more than them? That's a, question we need to probably answer at a later date that's pretty interesting
2: yeah i'll go pull the numbers and 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 let you know for sure okay. um when you do that I- don't
1: say edward did it don't say it. say dan did it <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm fine. I'm totally fine having my name on it. Sure. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because librarianship is traditionally a female, uh, perceived, uh, profession. And when I, uh, when I enrolled in library school, um, it was, uh, I was kind of hailed in to be perfectly honest because there, it also has a representation, uh, gap, uh, librarianship. So you don't find a lot of Hispanic males, uh, or black males in, in this profession. Um, and so in on the one hand it's like yes we need more uh Hispanic males in this in this role because it's important for for the public for people in you know that use the library services uh to have that representation in the library but now I'm concerned about okay so I'm being you know I, I'm being welcomed in but also you know is there what's the catch you know am I am I going to wind up in a situation like this where I'm making more money than somebody you know than a, a female coworker who deserves to be making exactly as much as I'm making, you know. I, I it, it, once you, it's one of those things that once you learn about it, you can't like not, you can't look away, you know. You can't like unsee what you've seen, and I, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I would be interested in finding out if that's if that's the case in in this particular career path. I
1: have a question to piggyback on what Dan said. So, code is there a difference between men of color and what's the proper way to say it, Caucasian women? Say in a library system, would there still be it's a gap between that, where the man may make more, or would the man make less?
2: I actually do have those numbers, and I pulled them for the last um, for the last, I think, ten years okay. um, of of median earnings. Happy to share those with you, but and and it varies, right? But traditionally, the man will earn more than than the than the woman um, across racial and ethnic categories. And, you know, the other piece that you um, spoke to, Dan, is that the onus isn't entirely on us as individuals, especially as women, and as a woman of color, um, we often carry the the labor, you know, these, these, these movements. And so the onus is also on our allies, um, on white women who are consistently earning more than women of color. And what are you doing in your workplace to promote equal pay? Um, and then the other part of it are businesses and organizations, especially those that, especially in light of the last, you know, year of sort of racial racial reawakening and reckoning and these commitments to equity, how exactly are organizations committing to that equity? Um, uh, and, and, you know, this, this question of, you know, what do organizations owe us as, as workers that are carrying it and moving the work forward? Um, what we're doing is that we're creating a, a cohort, a coalition of local businesses to, to help inform the work. Of of wage equity awareness, um, because you know we believe that you commit to creating an equitable workplace, and you do the work, and you see the the numbers and the data behind behind how it benefits a workplace. Because we know that equitable workplace with women who are paid um, equitably have at least you know are fifteen percent more profitable, um, and we know that there are higher ret- uh, retention rates in work places that not just are committed to gender equity, but that have practices and protocols in place to promote that. Um, so there are real tangible benefits for organizations to commit to closing the wage gap.
4: So um, I know that you said it can always fall on the individual, but I do feel like some of it is um, certain people are afraid to ask for more because they feel like they don't want to ruffle any feathers. I am not one of those people. I'm like I'm going to advocate for myself, but there is a lot of people that feel that way that they're like, oh, well, this is what they're giving me because it's, it's the starting pay, and I am only just stepping in, but I may have some other type of of advantages that maybe another candidate didn't have and that that's the reason that they decided to hire me. I do have something a little bit extra and I should be compensated for that. Some people are not willing to to speak up and, and request or even inquire at that point. A lot of people don't even bother asking which, I think that maybe that's something that we should be teaching our children. Hey, if you feel like you deserve more, you need to go out there and ask for it. Uh, I, Like I said, I push my children to kind of not just accept bare minimum. If you you ask, the least you can do is ask. And if they say no, then okay. And if you feel that you're still, that, that, that no is not good enough, follow up with another question as why, when I'm bringing A, B and C to the table. Uh, that's, I think something that, that maybe we should start teaching our children. And I like that you all have classes and I may, you know, be sending my kids <laughs> on to, to um, maybe attend one of those things, because I think it's something necessary that people don't advocate for themselves. And it, it's sad and it happens. T- I see it more with females. Like, they just st- they'll just take, oh, okay, well, this is what they're giving me. That's what I'm going to take when, in fact, they can ask for more.
3: I think learning that assertive communication is really important because I feel like too often girls think assertive communication means aggressive. Um, And we teach that in our youth group, um, how to be assertive, because it's really important to ask for what you want and what you need. Um, And maybe not just asking initially when you get hired, but also if you're already working someplace, asking for a raise, you know, every year Um, and coming with, you know, I've helped train this person that came on last year. So I think I deserve this. Um, Asking for raises is a really important thing as well, especially if you've been working somewhere for a few years now. And that hasn't happened. And that's definitely something that should be asked for. Even you should inquire maybe even annually.
2: Yeah, I can definitely relate to being sort of, you know, like the younger version of me and being afraid to go and ask for a raise when I worked at, um, you know, at a day at a, at a childcare center, trying to, to make my way through college. Um, I, so I can relate to that. And I always think back if I had a template for what to say, um, that would have been super helpful, and that's what we're hoping to provide. When we when we have these workshops, these salary negotiation workshops, it's guiding guiding uh, women so that they don't feel like they're going into this alone, right? Because they've practiced with us, maybe. Uh, you know, we've had kind of like a mock, you know, come in and ask for a raise um, type of of, of situation. Um, so yeah, one hundred percent. I think it's it's so important. To to work with young folks uh, on on this encourage like
3: companies to invest in like bias training um, and pretty frequently because I feel like a big part of that is biases of hiring you know Um, I just in my experience and limited experience of hiring people um, people say comments that I'm like oh that's not okay to say right where they're like well she's in her 30s so she might have kids and it's like whoa why are we assuming that you know or they'll be like oh well he's in his 50s he's not going to work as hard and it's like well where do you assume that right like from the resume it looks great and from the interview there's a lot things that people have biases about that I feel like also sway in how much they think that they are, you know, should deserve as a pay scale when really that should already be decided and it shouldn't be a factor of that person unless there's other elements, you know, like educational degrees or just years of experience. Um, But that pay scale should be something formatted to where there's not a bias that they're like, well, I think it should be on the lower end.
2: Yeah. So I, you know, fully encourage, you know, everyone to kind of, you know, stay sort of in tune with some of the work that we're doing here with this because, um, you know, in creating a roadmap to an equitable workplace for a business, uh, what we've learned uh, from speaking to businesses, from hearing from people um, is definitely that that is one component of how we tackle the wage gap. Um, It is that, you know, training is going to be needed, Um, but also having in place, practice, you know, protocols and hires that will open up your hiring pool to ensure that you are, you know, getting a pool that is diverse. Um, and so that's definitely a checkpoint in our roadmap to uh, an equitable workplace. And I, I, the, the roadmap isn't um, online yet. Uh, we're kind of finalizing that. But that's our hope, right? If we can bring uh, a tool for businesses to help walk them through, if they're committed to it, to help walk them through all the things that need to happen from understanding the basic components of you know, what is the wage gap. To calculating it internally, to working through the, their HR department, setting goals, practices, and protocols, and then iterating and making sure that we're covering all of our bases here. Um, that is what we're hoping to um, to to help local businesses through. Um, like I said, and then that's one piece, and then there's the advocacy piece. But the work just—it's a—it's a long game. We're we're in it for for the long run, um. So that you know, Dan you you don't have to worry about about your girls as much as 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 we uh you know growing up had to go in there and demand for more
0: <laughs> Well I mean I'll there's I'll worry about them no matter what cuz it's just sort of like hardwired into of the course. into the whole thing Um you the I I visited the website of course so thank you very much for providing that to us we will include that in the description of the episode when we when we publish it there's an incredible amount of resources that are already available on the website and I think that That um, like for me going in there and just kind of starting to to take a look around, I felt a little overwhelmed by the amount of information that was available. So, and it's not that's not a knock on the website at all. It's just that you know there is there's a lot of resource there. Where would you recommend that somebody, either individual or a business, or if you want to just talk to both of those, where where should they start if they go to the website and they say, hey, you know, I really need to get myself educated on on wage equity and what this wage gap is all about, where would you recommend that they begin?
2: Yeah, for sure. Definitely the fact sheet is a good starting point. Um, because in two pages, it gives you what the wage gap is um over a year, you know, what that amounts to for women. It's just a, a nice sort of, you know, visual organization of what is the wage gap? What does it look like in San Antonio? Um, and I think that's a good starting point. You're right. There definitely is a lot of information on there. Um, you know, especially on the data uh, and research um, page, that one gets a little overwhelming. Um, but I think the fact sheet is a good starting point. Um, and then, you know, going from there and then slowly digesting some of the other, some of the other. Um, Resources and information, um, and we'll get to we'll get to putting it all in a nice video for you uh, soon.
1: I have a question. I just want to circle back to what you mentioned earlier, Raquel mentioned earlier, how the education portion of salary negotiations and just negotiating your salary. Because I was thinking the fear, the fear types of Raquel was talking about, if you're an older or a person of color, you go to the job proposal. Hey, I want this job, but if I ask for money, maybe they won't give it to me. Maybe I need to just settle for what they offer me because I want this job or need this job. So how do you overcome that fear with education and salary negotiations? What other classes do you offer for that?
2: I think the main one is really, um, you know, what we've, we've partnered with AAUW, um, national and their curriculum is, you know, uh, work smart or start smart, work smart. So there's two things, right? It's how from, the onset, you can go in equipped, prepared, ready to negotiate and, you know, individually overcoming that fear, which is definitely difficult. I mean, I totally get that. Um, The, I think the idea is that with some of these tools and resources that it might, it might help, you know, kind of walk you through that step-by-step. What do you, what's the first thing you say? What's, you know, how do you ask for more? What do you include it? Even, down to when is the best time to go in and ask for a raise? Um, Because that's also an element of of it, right? Might it be better to go in after you've completed a big project uh, and met and out, you know, uh, uh, performed on certain goals and expectations or something like that. Um, So I think, I really think that, you know, having some of those tools and resources is helpful. I think also just talking to to other women, right? So creating kind of, finding networks of support Support. And if they aren't there, then you know that's definitely somewhere else where we can plug in and create a network of, of of support for women who you know have experienced pay inequity and discrimination, and or are on the road to to asking for more.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much for
0: information, Dan. Do you have something else? I thought you had your hand at middle. It's such a. I mean, it's a huge topic. There's so many. So cheap, I I, yeah. I know we we could probably do. I mean, we could go on for a long time talking about all of this is just so I don't know. I, I'm, I mean I'm, t- I'm still trying to digest a lot of it to be perfectly honest with you. I mean I I, I had some awareness just you know from uh, from some of the classes that I that I took in, in, in library school relating to serving diverse communities. So there was a sort of a toe in already um, and, and a bit of an awareness. and then of course the city provided a, a, a racial equity training not that long ago, which was excellent. Um, and and also uh, touched on on wage equity and it's just I mean there's just so much um, I, I it, it all honestly I mean it makes me even so what it does for me is it makes me think back to my mom um, who was a single parent who raised two boys without a lot of support and I think about everything that she had to do you know and 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 that also sort of brings around the whole there, there's a cultural aspect to it too right I mean there is sort of just like this well it is what it is kind of acceptance that we're that we're taught um in in the Hispanic culture um and it, I always wonder. not well now I wonder you know not always wonder but now I wonder what it might have been like if she would have been more assertive in her um in her uh employment uh because she worked a lot you know I mean we we barely got to see her sometimes my brother and I because she was trying to put food on the table for us and that was just a you know that was a that was a long hard haul for her. And, and and you know, there's a lot of people out there that are
1: living that. I, can't I
2: think
1: that's Oh, I was gonna say I think that's the fear that a lot of people have, just that you have to put food on the table, you have to do this, you have to provide for your family. So you don't want to rock the boat by asking, let me get a dollar more. I, I'm worth a dollar more. That fear of losing all of that for a dollar more makes us compliant with whatever they offer us. I think that's the, the biggest problem we have.
2: Yeah, you know, um something that you said right now, Dan I actually had a conversation with an organization over this past weekend and they brought up that same component someone brought up the the cultural component right as um you know as a latino community um as uh, and and it was interesting because she mentioned you know a very similar thing um but obviously you know latinos are not a monolith and we experience right. different things or things differently but i i i very much relate to what you're saying right like i I can't think of my mom working a minimum wage job, going in there and like you know, you know, demanding for more. Um, I don't think she ever asked for a pay raise in her life. You know, her whole life was a minimum wage job. But I, I feel like her focus was exactly what you said, Dan, is just putting food on the table. And you know, Edward, you, her job was our lifeline. Um, and it, you know, even though we barely made it by some days, it was just. Uh, the focus was on poverty, and I think this is what happens with historically marginalized and excluded communities: is that we're relegated to focusing on surviving day by day, that we don't have the luxury of, of you know, these resources and opportunities. Um, so it is definitely there's a racial component there's a there's a, to to this to this whole dynamic. Um, so yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I had I, almost you know uh, this this conversation so actually this is the third time that that gets brought up in a conversation about wage gap this this week alone
1: wow and today's only wow that's impressive <laughs> thank you so much for the information thank you dan thank you kim thank you coda it's it's wow it's mind-blowing it's definitely we just scrapped the surface on this Scraped the surface on this and it's, it's, it's so much more definitely check out the website learn about it talk about it if you're interested I, you have financial literacy classes to improve yourself just get involved and you know be more aware and if you can just just step outside that comfort zone and ask for a little bit more if that's possible so thank you dan thank you coda thank you kim we appreciate it santana library does that work thank you for joining us hey thanks for listening
0: and get connected on mysapple.org with twitter
1: facebook youtube snapchat, snapchat
0: pinterest Flickr, instagram and follow tuned in on soundcloud itunes and google play music